Yo, 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 it's your girl and boy CT. I'm Cindy Barnes. And I'm Travis Barnes. And we are the founders of the Overcomers Podcast. The Overcomers Podcast is designed to help you overcome adversity and live your dreams. Every week, we will be sharing stories of people who found their strength in their struggle. The Overcomers Podcast is sponsored by Journey 333. And that's a lot of threes, so let me tell you what it is. It's fitness, coaching, and nutrition. It is a place where we help you to look better, live better, and feel better, and it is mind, body, spirit. Today, we're going to help you get your mind right with our special guest. Hello, Overcomer Nation. I am so excited to talk to you today because I'm going to talk to you about something that recently became very near and dear to my heart. I had no idea that there were kids in our local area that would actually go home and be hungry without such a program as the one that I'm about to talk to you about today. Uh, Danny Rue, she is the founder and she is the executive director of the CHOP program. That stands for Childhood Hunger Outreach Partners. Uh, they are serving, I don't even know how many schools. I know they're doing 20,000 kids. They've made 2.7 million meals this year. I think it's about 85 schools that they're impacting. But Danny, welcome to the show. Ah, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, did I get that right? Is it 85 schools? Yeah, 85 schools. That's who we have as partners. Yeah, it's yeah, so it's exciting. Big number, big number, you know, and it is. It's just so impactful and it's so exciting to be just a small part of what you're doing. Um, we were having these meetings because the Spartan organization had said, hey, if you get people to register for our events from now till the end of the year, we'll donate 30% to a charity. So we're all in these meetings. And thankfully, I have some teachers around here. Uh, one uh, retired teacher is even a coach, and they were talking about your program. And it brought tears to my eyes to think that, you know, this kid's either going to go home hungry or he can go to this part of the school where you provided food and take some food home, uh, he or she, you know. Um, so uh, I guess I was just thinking of it like, wow, what if I if what if I had that struggle as a child, you know? So uh, can you tell us about the story? that got you to start this program. It's, it's what, three years old now? Yes, yep, yep. We were founded in 2019, officially as a nonprofit, so super exciting. Um, what a process that is, by the way. Holy smokes. Um, but, you know, my daughter, she went from elementary school to high school and realized that the kids didn't, if they didn't have money for lunch, they didn't get to eat. And at the elementary school level, if they didn't have money for lunch, they still got the cold sandwich and the milk. Um, and she came home and she was telling me about it. And of course, I knew about that because I was the kid who pretended that I was studying during lunchtime. So because we didn't have extra money, you know, um, sometimes at the end of the week, there just wasn't extra money. And so I was that kid, too. And so she told me about it. And she's like, Mom, you have to do something. And so long story short, here we are doing something. And um you know, I just, I'm real proud of her for recognizing a problem and taking it to someone who she thought could help and make a difference. That's some leadership right there. That is, that is your daughter. Your daughter's so awesome. I'd like to have her <laughs> here on the show talking to her. That is a, a great heart. And I'm sure that it comes from a great mother. Um, interesting that you were thinking back to a time when you were that kid. Um, so you could really empathize and understand um, the people, the families that you serve, uh, the, many of them are in the same situation, right? They're, they're paying rent, they're, they got jobs, you know, they're working hard and um, they're just trying to figure out how much money they have left for food. Am I right? Or Right. Yeah. The majority of people are, you know, 
two income job, two income families. And it's just, there's just not enough at the end of the month for them to provide a good meal or, or any. Um, and luckily the last couple of years, kids have been able to have free lunch and breakfast in all schools um, because of the pandemic. And so that was really great. And then once the kids got home at night or on the weekends, there just wasn't any buffer for them. Um, and now this coming year, that program has ended unless the school specifically qualifies for it. So there's going to be a huge group of kids that have received free breakfast and lunch for the last two years that aren't going to have that food anymore. And so it's even more important that we deep dive into these schools. Yeah. Well, I didn't even think about that. So the pandemic adjusted with these free breakfasts and free lunches, mm -hmm. but now things are turning back. Um, and, and how did the pandemic affect what you were doing for the community? Uh, did you see increases as people were losing their job or, you know, how, increased demand for your services? You know, how did that affect things? Oh, my word. Well, you know, we we were still a brand new baby organization when the pandemic hit. And luckily, our systems are just so simple. We keep it smooth and simple and just easy to to turn on a dime. But prior to the pandemic, we were packing maybe a thousand bags a week. And then the order came that all the schools were going to shut down and the schools weren't prepared for it. They had grumblings. You know, they had ideas that they were going to end up having to shut down for that two weeks which, you know, we all know turned into not two weeks. Right. Um, Another they, two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> right. Let's try three more months. I don't know. Right. Um, you know, they all had an idea that something was going to happen, but a lot of the schools didn't know. So they got that call on Friday afternoon that we were shutting, the, the, you know, the whole state was shutting down and they didn't have a plan in place for these kids. And so we went from packing a thousand ish bags a week to 18,000 bags a week because schools from everywhere were reaching out saying, can you help? We heard that you have this program. Can you provide for our kids? And, you know, these schools were doing everything in their power. And it was, it was just beautiful to see the community come together, um, pack tens of thousands of bags. We'd load them on buses. We'd load them in box trucks and they would get distributed to the kids. And it was really great. Teachers were helping out. Families were helping out because, you know, here in Bradford County, we, we didn't see COVID until late in the game. So, you know, our numbers stayed low for a long, long time. So we were able to keep cranking out these bags for a long time, which was really great for us. So you started in 2019 with, what was it, 45 kids? Yeah, so, yeah. Now you're serving 20,000. The, the growth is just crazy. Uh, have you ever thought about the timing of starting in 2019 and then 2020, uh, early 2020, bringing with it a, a pandemic that, uh, you know, schools would reach out to you and that you would be needed so soon and in such a uh, big role. <laughs> no, I, I don't think anybody could have anticipated this growth trajectory. It's just been wild. I, I don't even have any other word for it besides just wild. But, um, you know, luckily, every step of the way, the community has been behind us. So financially and providing volunteers. But no, we, we never could have anticipated this growth. The thing is, which, you know, logically, you know that from one school district to the next, hunger doesn't end just at that county line and hunger doesn't end at the school district line and hunger doesn't end at the state line. It, it just doesn't ever stop. So, of course, every time you turn the corner, there's another batch of kids that need to be served. And so that's just we just keep pushing forward and finding those groups and and getting them the food they need. 
Uh, you know, you mentioned that because your systems were so simple that you were able to help when the school started calling you during the pandemic. And I know that the listeners, I'm sure you're already touching the hearts of the listeners, just like you're touching mine. Um, you know, we start thinking in our own way, oh, you know, maybe I should round up some cans of food for them, you know. Uh, but your systems are simple that allow you to make maximum impact. What are some of those systems as to how you, you've you been able to orchestrate everything and, and deal with so many? Because uh, I know it takes <laughs> systems to do it, right? Yeah. So that's one of the things that a lot of times people want to help by having a food drive. And while we absolutely appreciate that, I just always want to point out to people that your dollar can go much further if you give us the actual dollar. Because we've partnered with Feeding America food banks. We've partnered with non-Feeding America food banks. We, we've partnered with resources that allow us to get the food so inexpensively. So, you know, you might be able to go buy a can of tuna for a dollar, but I can pack an entire bag for a dollar. And that dollar also includes all of our overhead costs. So the actual amount that we have to spend on food is so little that when you provide us with a dollar, we can make magic happen. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. And, you know, it's simpler, too. You know, you think, OK, I better go to the store and get some cans of food and bring them to chop or whatever. But really, all you have to do is just pull a dollar out of your pocket or what you can spare. And uh, and then you guys take care of the rest. Um, do you take care of it with volunteers? Do volunteers also help you to do some of the packing or or how does that work? Yeah, the majority majority of our workforce is volunteer works for, workforce. So we have over 500 volunteers. Um, we've partnered with lots of community agencies, um, Martha Lloyd, the Foster Grandparent Program, Mature Workers, Community Service. We have all sorts of organizations that come in, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, that kind of thing, and provide labor for us. So we have packing parties. It's so great. Give them a little pizza, give them a snack. They have so much fun. Um, and it, it's just really great because we can do so much with the community around us that we yeah, can do alone. I know we want to organize a journey packing party. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Our, our community, they all have just such beautiful hearts and they're, they're so connected. So uh, that would be really awesome to experience. So uh, now I want to move us a little bit forward because, you know, the, the pandemic, I like to think that the toughest days of the pandemic are behind us, but then every time, right. Fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers you know, crossed. Yes. Um, but then, you know, there's always new challenges. And, uh, you know, I wanted to ask you, our, our fuel prices have pretty much tripled uh, since just about a year ago, right? I mean, they have just skyrocketed in a short period of time. Um, and that has an impact on families that are trying to figure out, okay, well, we got to pay for our, our mortgage or our rent. Uh, we got to pay for our gas to, you know, get to work. We got to pay our utilities. We got to pay these different things. Um, how has that impacted what you do, uh, you know, because I, I would feel like it's probably making their budget tighter and tighter, you know, so. Oh, for sure. It's and it's going to have a long, a long term lasting effect because, you know, people were just starting to be able to dig out of the pandemic hole um, and what that did to their budgets. And now we get whacked again with this economy, which, you know, it it's terrible. There's there's no denying it. It's terrible. And people who were just barely getting by just can't anymore. Um, we, you might be familiar, we do um, mobile food distributions, we call them pop-up pantries. And every Wednesday, we have one right here in Tawanda at our warehouse. And in one month's time, 
our numbers increased at just that one single distribution that we do. And of course we do many, 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 um, just that one, we saw an increase of 150 families every week. An wow. increase. So it's not just 150 people, 150 families coming, lining up for produce and some, you know, pantries staples. So, and it's just starting. It, it really is just starting because, you know, we're living off last year's harvest still. So yeah. once we start to see this year's harvest, the effects of the fuel on that, it's, it's just going to be a really hard situation for a lot of people. So let me ask you, you know, we're trying to round up people to do these Spartan races because Spartan is being so generous is to, yeah. you know, we'll give 30%. And, and a lot of times a ticket to an event like that is around $100. So let's just use $100 as a figure. Some mm-hmm. more, some less, but a hundred dollars. Uh, if they donate thirty percent of that, thirty dollars, what would you be able to do with it? Well, like I had said previously, it only costs us a dollar to feed a child for a weekend. So, you know, thirty dollars equals thirty kids that we can send home with weekend bags. It's it's really just such a huge impact. Wow, uh, you hear that, Overcomer Nation? Use your fitness for a cause. You go do a. A uh, Spartan obstacle course race or a Tough Mudder or a DECA, and you're feeding 30 kids for a weekend, for a whole weekend. That's awesome. That's awesome. You must have had some proud moments over the years, you know, since 2019, uh, just different things that uh, have touched your heart or things you've been able to do. Uh, you've grown so much. Uh, would you mind sharing with us uh, one or two special stories that, you know, you feel most proud of? Whenever we launch a new school, I get very excited because, you know, we get stories from the principals and, and a lot of times I don't share them just because I feel like they're, they're private stories and, and I don't want to do a disservice to the kids, but just, you know, one of them, we launched an in-school pantry and the principal told me that there were kids coming up to him shaking, couldn't believe that they actually had access to free food, crying that they could take home can I take a can of soup home for my sister too? You know, just little things like that, that you and I might not think about that, you know, they can walk into this in-school pantry, grab an apple, grab a granola bar, not feel any stigma and take a can of soup home for their sibling and themselves and, you know, advocate for their own needs. It just, it really warms my heart because it, it truly te- gives the child power again. They don't have to rely on anybody else to make sure that they have the food. And so that, that always feels really good to me. Um, and, yeah. you know, every time we launch a new school, it just, it feels really great that we're moving forward, really just making an impact on these kids. And I, I'm looking forward to, you know, 20 years from now or 12 years from now, because I guess that's how long kids spend in school, but to follow the kids from kindergarten all the way through to graduation and to think that they never had hunger as one of the things that they have to worry about, that makes me really hopeful. That's so cool. That's so amazing to think about a big brother or a big sister. And, and you know, that, that shows the fingers of your program because you understand the number of schools you, you serve and you, you understand the number of the kids you feed. But then it's like, oh, I'm going to take something home to my little sister or my little brother. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just shows, you know, the kind of fingers that this program has or the, the ripple effect that you might have. That's awesome. Uh, anything else that you'd share? Um, well, I'm trying to think. So things, I, it's really hard, honestly, because we just sit and we just, we've grown so fast that our heads have just been down, like in the trenches. So 
sometimes you look up and you're like, what in the world is even happening here? How, how did we just go to 20,000 kids a week? You know, cause it feels like just yesterday that we were working with the lights off and no heat on and coats and gloves because we couldn't, you know, it was a dollar for the bags of food or a dollar to have the lights on. And we chose the bag of food, you know? So like, it, it's really interesting to see how far we've come and, and we definitely do sit and, and take some pride in that. But well, um, thank you for all the choices that you've made. Let me, let me bring up one that you made recently that you don't know that I know about. Um, so <laughs> I was talking with uh, someone that helps with the marketing uh, for what you do. And she talked about a long line uh, of cars that I think it might've been uh, in the Twand area that was already sitting there running their air conditioning because it's been a hot summer, you know, mm-hmm. we know that. And uh, they weren't supposed to start the food line until uh, I think it was one o'clock, but so many were already, you know, so many cars were already lined up that you guys started it like an hour early. It, it, do I have the details right? Was it like that? <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. 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 It's just, uh, yeah. Cause I mean, you know, there you are, you know, not only the heart to feed people, but just seeing the demand. And then of course they can't sit in those cars with their fuel running and they can't sit in those cars with their AC off and, and it just shows, you know, this demand is just everywhere and it's not going away. Um, let's talk about your vision for the future. Like, where do you see CHOP going? Um, you know, how do you plan to grow? How do you plan to handle that growth? Uh, you know, if you could just give us a little bit about that vision. Um, well, we don't plan on stopping. Our, our vision is to be statewide here in the next couple of years, um, five years max to be statewide which is really exciting. Um, we have expanded to other states and then kind of scaled that back a little bit. We want to we want to make sure that we're doing it really well where we are doing it and there's no misses. Um, and so our focus is PA and just really deep diving into PA, making sure that we when we go into a community that it's fully served, that there's still not kids that are being looked over. Um, we want to get into the nooks and crannies and make sure that, you know, anywhere that there might be a pocket of kids that need some assistance that we're there for them. And that's, that's our real focus right now is just the deep dive. So to make sure that when we're someplace, we do it right. We do it well, we get the whole community behind us and that we're partnering with other agencies because we're just, we're not about competition at all. We're just always about collaboration. So, you know, if there's a library program that's going on, we, we provide food so they can give the kids food when they're there. Or if it's a, an arts program somewhere. I don't ever want any organizations to feel, oh, well, CHOP's coming in and they're in competition for funds. We always want to collaborate. It just makes everyone so much stronger. Um, But it's just, it's that doing the deep dives, making the strong partnerships and setting ourselves up so we're long-term. I was wondering what you meant by nooks and crannies, but I just picked this up and I'm not sure if the listeners did too, but I guess I was picturing you in some room of the school where there was already some bags made up that some, you know, needy child could go and grab if they were hungry and they were going to be hungry once they got home with no food to eat, they have you as that resource. But you're trying to identify other programs or even outside the school and place the food that they will need there, uh, art program, library, things such as that, right? Right. So anywhere that kids might gather, we want to make sure that there's food for them to take home. That saves their parents from having to travel for the resources. The kids are already there. Why make it harder than it has to be? So if it's a a VBS or anything like that, right now um, we're doing distributions in Scranton. Parks and Recs has 
pop-up Fridays where they have community resources and we attend all those with bags of food. So if the families are already there, they can take the bags home. So it's, it's more about making sure that where we are, where the kids are and making it super efficient. And that, I think that's one of the beauties of our program is because it's through the school, the parents don't have to make a special trip. They already can't afford gas. We don't want to make it so they have to drive to get their food too. So, you know, partnering with the schools has been a really great win because the kids can just take that bag home and they're so excited to, you know, they're skipping down the hall with their backpack bag and they're just so happy to have it and they can't wait to see what's in it. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, you know, I wanted to talk about something else because, you know, you're, you're like, the kids are so excited and, and then there's another uh, side to it too, where maybe they're shy about asking or whatever, but you take some measures to make sure that they can uh, feel comfortable. Cause you mentioned early on in this podcast, you said I was the kid that pretended that they had to study because mm-hmm. I really didn't have any lunch money. Um, so what is that? Uh, what, how does it work in the schools? Like, you know, they, if they want to, you know, they're kind of shy about asking, like, how do you make it uh, easy access and make it comfortable for them? There's well, a set the, Yeah. I'm sorry. With the backpack program, it was really easy. So, you know, in the beginning, there'd be a couple kids who would take it, but then once their friends saw that they got, you know, a special snack in that bag. So, you know, we try to make the bags fun. Of course, there's two dinners, there's two fruits, there's two breakfasts. And then there's a handful of snacks, but we like to include a snack that is going to make them really excited to get that bag. So there might be Doritos in there. There might be um, M&Ms, you know, things like that. The, the normalizer is what we call them because then they don't feel any stigma. They're so excited to get that bag of food and then their parents can make whatever's in it for them. And we do the same thing at the high school level. We, so here's what happened with stigma. Um, elementary school, those kids were so happy to get their bags. But the second they walked into that high school, all of a sudden, nope, I'm not poor. No, I don't need that. Right. And so we knew, of course, you know, kids don't magically not be hungry from the time they get to sixth and the seventh grade. It still exists. And so we were trying to figure out a way to just really eliminate that stigma. And so we launched an in-school pantry and same exact items that are in that backpack program bag. We included a lot more fruit though, because the high school kids, they just, they can't get enough fruit. They, they love apples, oranges, bananas. They just, they love it. Um, and you know, it's too expensive for their parents to buy. So we, we try to stock in school pantries with a lot of fresh fruit, the things that they can take home, the granola bars, the things they can grab, but then we'll add things like Chex Mix or beef jerky or Gatorade because then everyone wants to be in there to get those good things. And it just completely eliminates stigma because they're, everyone is used to seeing everyone else in there. And so nobody feels any certain sort of way. Mm, I like that approach. There's no stigma. People are jealous of what you got. Which yeah. is what happens, right? They move on to high school and they're like, oh, I got to have a name brand pair of jeans <laughs> or a name brand pair of shoes. Or, but if I have something that everybody wants, there's certainly no stigma to getting it. Is there a way that people qualify to participate in your program or, you know, is it, you know, just kind of an integrity type of thing? How does it work? Yep. This is absolutely a a want based. So, you know, one of the things that we did from the very beginning was not put income guidelines because you don't know what's going on in their house. They Mm -hmm. might make their parents might make a ton of money, but they lost a job or someone got sick or the economy did what the economy did. So, you know, we don't put income guidelines on our programs. If they need it, they need it. If they feel like they need it, then who am I to say they don't? Right. 
No, that's awesome that you're there for everybody. Let me ask you, you know, your vision to be statewide, uh, you know, maybe no more than five years and as soon as possible. What's it going to take for that vision to happen? Yeah, I mean, I know you probably have to climb over some pretty big hurdles to get there. Uh, The biggest thing is going to be sourcing food. Um, And we've been working with a food bank that doesn't have boundaries that will allow us to do that really efficiently. Um, So that's definitely in the works. And it'll equate to about 400,000 kids a week. So um, having the right facility, because we'd like to do it really from as few warehouses as possible. So having the right facility, having the right fleet, um, and just making sure that we've made those good, strong partnerships with the right people um, to make it go seamless. But we're, we're definitely getting there. Now, where do you live? You, you live in the Valley, right? Is that... I live in Laceyville. Okay, you live in Laceyville. But I mean, you're get you're going as far as Scranton and, you know, all these different places, 85 schools, right? 20,000 kids, a, a, a mission to serve 400,000 kids a week in the next few years. How how do you make that happen? You know, I mean, like, because I'm, I'm here trying to fathom that. And I know it's not you driving around in your car. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, you know, systems, you really got to have a mind for systems and really incorporate a lot of help. Um, can you just, you know, kind of let us know a little bit about how that happens? Well, the volunteer base is the biggest win. You know, they come in, they pack the bags and then we load them into the our cargo vans and head out to the schools. And we, we're driving every day of the week. We've got a great team that, you know, delivers to the schools every day of the week. We're doing additional things too on top of the norm. We're, we're uh, starting some new programs with the seniors, um, making deliveries, home deliveries to them. But it's just really having great volunteer base and staff that just has such a heart. I mean, we have very few staff members, paid staff members, because we try to keep our costs so low. But just the staff that we do have has such a heart for this mission that the sky is the limit with them. I really have lucked out. The, the right people always cross our path. Yeah. Well, I, I have a little theory on that. You know, <laughs> I'm a little spiritual. I think that you started in 2019 because you were going to be needed so much in 2020. And I think that the right people are being brought into your life because you're doing such a great thing. Uh, so, you know, sometimes the things that we do are bigger than ourselves. And and you are doing something that is uh, just bigger than you, and and it's so impressive, and and I'm so excited for the impact that you're making and this small part that we get to play in it. Um, if we raise ten thousand dollars, which is our goal at Journey, ten thousand dollars, which means you know we want to either get three hundred codes used, which could be a hundred people going to three races, or three hundred different people, or some people have even been starting to donate. They feel like you know I can't do that type of event, but I'd like to donate. So if we raise $10,000 to CHOP, we're going to see these cargo vans that are going different places. And we get to think we're feeding 10,000 kids for an entire weekend. Is that right? Yes. Wow. Yes. Like that is a major impact. That's just mind-blowing impact. That's awesome. That's awesome. So exciting to think about. Um, and the best ways for people to help. Again, I, I want to make sure that as we kind of wind down this podcast that people know um, one is donations over food drives. Um, and where do they make those donations to? How, what's the easiest way to donate? Um, they can drop a check in the mail if that's easy to them at 2 Elizabeth Street, Tawanda, PA, 18848, or chopouthunger.org. They can click right on the link and give if, if they'd like. 
cool. Is there a way to follow some of the great things that Chop's doing? Is there like a Facebook page for Chop or something to where like that people can kind of see what's going on? Oh yeah, we have all the socials. So we have Facebook. It's just uh, Child Hunger Outreach Partners dash Chop. If you're doing the the shortcut, it's Chop Out Hunger. Um, you know the at Chop Out Hunger. Um, okay. Our other branch has it's Chop NEPA. That's our Scranton branch. We're launching in Hazleton. So that's going to be a big, huge thing too. Um, and then same thing on Instagram. It's Child Hunger Outreach Partners. That's awesome. And if um, if people want to do one of those volunteer things where they can come in and help you pack bags, how do they do that? They can just go right to chopouthunger.org and click on email and send us an email. Awesome. And we'll get them all set up. Yep. That's terrific. And, and is there any other ways you'd like to encourage people to help right now? Just, you know, every time you see our socials, if you share them, that's a huge win because the more people that know what we're doing, the more people can come get help if they need it and support our mission. So simple thing as sharing our Facebook and our Instagram stuff is a huge win for us as well. Very good. Very good. Share the social, share the podcast so that people can learn more about CHOP. And thank you, Danny, for being on the Overcomers podcast. And thank you for overcoming childhood hunger. Thank you so much. This was really exciting. Thanks for listening, Overcomer Nation. Make sure if you haven't already, give us a five-star rating. Make sure that you share this and subscribe so you can see all of our future content. That's right. And if you'd like to be a guest on a future show, go to overcomers-podcast.com. If you're interested in our franchise opportunities with Journey 333, then go to www.journeyfitness333.com. And finally, if you like what you heard today and you feel like you're somebody that needs a bit more coaching, go to travisbarnes.com.